In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Here we go again. I know you guys like sitting around the tailgate telling stories with good buddies, cracking cold ones. No matter if it's hunting season or fishing season, well, so does the Outdoor Drive Podcast. So we're going to bring you Tales from the Tailgate. All right, welcome back to another great episode from Tales from a Tailgate. This is your host, East Coast Trev, and I'm joined with my good buddy, Mr. Madman Mardick. What Ew. is up? What is going on? Hello, brother. And we are officially brought to you by Huntworth Camo. And uh, to add to that, Mr. Brad Jarvis is on the phone. What's up, Brad? Hey, fellas. How you doing? Welcome to the tailgate, my friend. I'm glad that you're here. How's everything, man? Good. It's been a long day. <laughs> Has it? Yeah. Did you guys get hit with snow Buried up there? Buried snow. And... Yeah, we got like a foot. Oh, dude, that sucks. And too bad it's not tracking season. Yes and no. It's almost, I mean, you could track in it, but it might be too much. Tough to say. But I'd still be out in it regardless. Yeah, that's got to be kind of fun. So so this last season, man, you shot you shot a really nice buck up in... Uh... Yeah. Oh, you're going to show Orleans him? County, Vermont. Wow. That's awesome. So. Is that part of the kingdom? It's like the it's like the western edge of the northeast kingdom. Okay. So that's awesome, man. So like these mass measurements are like almost five inches. I don't know if you can see that. That's awesome, dude. What a great buck. What do you end up scoring out at? Thank you. Uh one thirty and an eight. That's awesome, dude. Well, man, why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Uh, my name is Brad Jarvis. I'm from Vermont, originally central Vermont. Uh, I live in north central Vermont now with my wife and my son. Um and I play with big equipment. <laughs> There's, I don't know how to take that, but we'll take it for what. Take it, it however is. you want, Trev. <laughs> we know that you like midget wrestlers, so so big equipment and midget wrestlers. I guess I didn't think that was going to come out this early in the podcast. I knew it was going to come out, but I didn't think it was going to come out already. Well, full send, Bob. I swear that showed up on my phone because of you. <laughs> no, you were thinking midget wrestlers in your mind, and then it actually came out. So. <laughs> the phones are listening <laughs> yeah that's it's so true man well let's crack a cold one dude why don't you take us back dude and tell us exactly what happened when you were tracking and and how this all all occurred yeah so uh opening weekend in vermont is the second saturday in november i hunted that weekend with my little brother and you know he saw bucks i didn't uh we didn't have snow yet and then uh we got snow on wednesday and more snow friday saturday um, Sunday morning, 
went out with my brother and we got up to the area we were going to hunt is the backside of this mountain. There's an access road that goes about 80% of the way to the top. And, uh, <clears throat> it's still snowing. We get out of the truck and I'm, I'm heading where I'm going to go start kind of looking for tracks and stuff. And my younger brother, Kyle's like, Hey, there's tracks right over here. And I go over and I look and I knew it snowed the day before and it was snowing right then. And you can see that they were fresh and there was a half an inch of snow on them and I could fit four fingers in his track. And usually if you're tracking, you're looking for a track that's about three inches by three inches. So you can kind of guess that with like three fingers and uh, I could fit four fingers in his track. So like I looked at it and I was just like, forget my language. I was like, that's fucking massive. I'm following that today. Um, it's either I'm coming home empty handed or I'm going to kill this deer. So, uh, him and a doe had kind of fed around in some cedars a little ways off the access road. And then he left her and started heading uphill. So I figured he was either going to bed or something else was going on. So I crossed the road, get up over the ditch on the other side and I'm starting to follow him up through. And I see he's just taking his time. He doesn't have a real long stride. He's not, he's not in a rush. Um, moving up through the woods and he's heading straight uphill. So Every time I come to a big tree, you know, I'm kind of peeking out around the side. Just, you know, you never know where you're going to catch up to him. And I knew it was fairly fresh. And getting most of the way up the mountain, and I come to a spot where there's just a real vertical wall, and I can see his tracks heading towards that wall. And I'm like, all right, either he knows the way up that wall or he's split in one direction. And I couldn't see it from where I was. Um, reached out to my brother over the radio, and I was like, hey, you know, there's no cell phone reception on this side, but when I go up over, if I go up over, um, I'll call you at the end of the day and have you come pick me up. Um, you know where the keys to the truck are? He's like, yeah, that's good. And I got up there, and it turns out that he had split and headed south along the wall with two doe. Um, and he was really just kind of dogging them and following them along. So they crossed a couple of brooks, and they went up through this little area where it turns into some raspberry bushes and they started feeding their way downhill. And I was like, Oh, you know, I might get lucky here. And he'd, he'd occasionally venture off and then come back. So like I knew either one of the does was like close to ready or she was ready. And he just really didn't want to leave her. And we worked our way down a couple shelves back towards the access road and they were just crisscrossing north, and then they'd go down one, they'd go back south. And they were feeding along the way. And uh, it had gone from, like, that snow with no wind to, like, the wind was really blowing, which if you talk to a tracker, that's the days you really like. Not only does the snow blowing off the trees cover your movement, but your sound is, there's no sound. Um, you can sneak up pretty well on a deer. And... Eventually we came down into like a small kind of cedar swamp with an opening and I could see where the tracks kind of milled around a little bit. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm still catching up to them. And I realized that like my nose was pretty well plugged because anytime you're out in the real cold, you get that runny nose, your nose is plugged. So without thinking, I just kind of blew my nose, you know, good old star rocket. And uh, all of a sudden a deer blew at me from probably like 50, 60 yards away. And I'm just like, ah, shit you know there goes my chance um so i i wait right there i get down real low because i'm looking through the cedars at you know deer's level not my level and i'm trying to see if they're still over there anywhere because the way that the direction that they were in i couldn't see the deer and 
I knew that they either were going to run a ways and just keep going, or they were going to run, you know, three, 400 yards, stop and watch their backtrack, which is the majority of the time, if they don't know what spooked them, that's what they're going to do. They want to see what's behind them. And so I gave it a little bit and just kind of like poked around real slow. And I looked and the tracks I was on, there was two small doe beds and you could see where they'd been feeding all along the cedars. Like they had been chowing down for a while. So they really got to chew that cud. And I found where the buck from his bed, which had been separate from the does had gone through the bushes and he started down a hill. And I was like, all right, you know, time to take it really slow. And uh, I was feeling pretty confident. Um, in Vermont, you're not required to wear orange. I was wearing some snow camo, so it blends in really well. And uh, I, knew, I knew there was a solid, solid opportunity coming. And uh, so I went down this hill, and I crossed this little spring-fed spring creek and started going back up another rise. And I get to the top and just start going down the bottom, and I see a deer's butt to the left behind a big tree. And then I see movement out to the right coming out of the thick cedars. And I look and all I see is like just this big left main beam. And I'm like, oh, that's all I need to see right there. And uh, pulled up my gun and flicked off the safety and uh, dropped him right where he was and put another shot in him to anchor him. And uh, I had turned off my radio when I jumped him because I didn't want my brother to call me over the radio and like spook the deer even more. I, I knew that was a possibility. And so I fired off both shots and it was, he had dropped, he was down and he was about 70 yards from me. And I flipped my radio back on and all I hear was, was that you? And, uh, there had been no other radio traffic. So I knew it was my brother. And I was like, Oh, I just dropped a big buck. And he's like, yeah, you did. I can hear it in your voice. And uh, at that point I started recording. Um, and my younger brother shot quite a few deer, but he's never shot like anything that, you know, anyone would say is big and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he likes venison. He's not picky. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to stay where I am. I'm not going to walk up to him until you get down here. And it took him a while and he got up there finally. And he flipped out. It was the biggest buck he'd ever seen. Um, and then I flipped out because, you know, I got to share it with him and, it was the biggest buck I've shot as far as the rack goes, just not the heaviest. Um, looking back at it, I wish my brother had been there like right next to me. Cause I, I totally would have let him shoot that deer. That kid's an absolute killer. Um, he doesn't care if it's a four pointer or if it's a legal spike horn, uh, it all tastes the same. And I have confidence he would have just dropped it right in his tracks like I did. Um, but sharing it with my brother was probably the most special thing about it. And then, uh, I got to take it and show it to my son and he was like, Oh, big buck, big buck. So that was, that was really cool too. Um, you know, hopefully we get a future hunter in the family right there. So as you're going uh, down, when that, you got him, Oh, sorry. Well, as you're no, going, go ahead. As, you, as you're going down that track, did you start to notice that you were getting a little bit closer and closer and closer to him? Cause that track's getting fresher and fresher and fresher. Yeah. So there was like eight to 10 inches of snow. So like you really couldn't see the track itself. Um, you can kind of wipe the snow away and try and age the track itself. But like looking at it, 
it had been snowing pretty hard and I was looking at the edges around the track and there was no snow, like no fluff sitting in those edges. They were clean edges. So I knew I was starting to get closer to that deer. And, and when you do, did you jump that deer at any time? Like when those deer had blown at you or was it that deer or was it a different set of deer? So he was, he was bedded near those two does. So I'm pretty confident that he was more, so they were at my nine o'clock and he was more at like 11 o'clock. So the deer that I heard blow at me was at like the nine o'clock. So he, he took off when the doe blew. He didn't stop to think about it. Mm-hmm. But deer like those edges and where I had come down through, I had followed the doe tracks and not his track. And the deer butt I could see was one of the does. And he was coming back to the does. I don't, I'm, I'm 90% sure he didn't even see me or know I was there because it had been 20 minutes probably. And he was just coming back to the does. Hmm. And you find that that time of year too, though, that some of them does are still kind of in heat or are in heat. And... That's prime rut for us right there. Okay. So you're pushing in on those deer during the rut. So they're kind of a little bit stupider. Yeah, exactly. And what, when they're like, how fast are you moving when you are tracking on them? Like you're not moving at a fast pace. Cause a lot of people might not even know that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I usually look at the length or the stride and you can tell if a deer is moving quick and if you want to move quick. Um, but you know, someone I've talked to who's a great tracker, like they once told me, like, when you think you're close, you really can't move slow enough. Um, your your chances are better of not spooking a deer and getting shot on that first opportunity if you're moving really slow. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, great. a lot of people call it the death creep. You just creep right in as slow as you possibly can. I don't know. I've never tracked before. This is why I'm kind of asking these questions, and some guys don't really know it. Like, Especially in that much snow. Like, what is what is slow? Yeah, so, I mean, I like to, at the fastest, I'm taking a few steps until I get a new vantage point of stuff to see when I think I'm close. And then, you know, I'm scanning that. And, you know, I usually scan it two or three times because if you do it, you know, quick that first time, it's real easy to miss something. And then when you know you're close, it's like you take a step, half a step, and you're, you're looking before you go anywhere because those deer just blend in so well. And a lot of times when you're walking up on them, are they bedded down? It depends. I mean, if you start noticing, like, heavy feeding activity like I was seeing, there's a pretty good chance they were going to be bedding soon. Um, but ultimately, I, I prefer to almost catch the deer on their feet being busy. Like, I'd rather walk up on one feeding. Instead of trying to pay attention to what's coming down, wind, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, if a deer's bedded, they're either, they're probably going to bed with the wind at their back, and then they're watching their backtrack, um, which makes it super tough. Like, you you got to move either super slow to the point where, like, it doesn't alarm them at all, or you just got to get real lucky. And I think I was lucky that day, and I'd really just rather, rather be lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So what ended up happening when you had walked up on the buck with your brother? So uh, he was down there and he's like, oh, it's a 10 pointer. And I was like, oh, now I got to hustle down there. So I hustled down. I'm just like, oh, man, like that's a big that's a big deer. Like I was hoping it was going to push 200 pounds, but I knew there was a chance it wasn't going to because of the rut. But like regardless, like I was stoked. Great rack. He's going to go up on the wall. Um, 
and he tastes damn good. That's really all that matters. How, how deep were you? How far from the truck were you? I want to hear about getting this thing out of the woods. So by the time we figured it out, it was like a, a third or a half mile drag back to the road. Okay. But the furthest, he was probably a mile from the road. Yeah, okay. That's wow. not terrible. That's not horrible. You see no. some tracking stories, five miles, seven miles from the truck. Like, I know a guy who put on, what did he say, 13 or 15 miles before he caught his deer's track this year, and then he tracked it for two miles and shot it. Wow. I couldn't imagine. Could you imagine like some, being that deep? Some people are just like marathoners when it comes to it. That's nuts. So, so when you, when you, how long would it have taken you to get it to the truck? Like, how long did it take you to get it in the truck and all that? So, like, that's. So you know, we got it gutted out and everything, and then uh, my brother was like, "Can I drag it?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." Yeah, <laughs> what like, do you mean? <laughs> of course, you can drag my deer for me. Right, and uh, I mean, he's he's kind of like a he's not a big guy, but he's a little guy. You know, he's like five six, hundred and fifty pounds. And he dragged that deer like I was nothing. I was like, man, you can drag my deer anytime. Mm-hmm. I imagine the snow Hopefully next time he gets one, I'll drag it out for him. The snow probably helps with the drag job. Oh, absolutely. Less resistance, slides a little more. Yeah, if it's dry ground, man. Uh, I shot a buck in 2016. It was a third to a half a mile from a logging road, and it was on dry ground. That deer dressed out at 193 pounds, and I tell you what, by the time we got it back to the road, I felt like I had done, like, a two-day leg workout at the gym. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And he had no hair on one side of his body. From just getting beat up by getting dragged over rocks and everything else, right? Rocks, logs, all that stuff. That's nuts. So, one of the other things I think is pretty cool with the northern states and, like, Vermont and stuff, like, you bring that thing, do they still do check-ins at, at like, local stores and stuff? Yeah, man, I went to a, a local general store, and, like, they take a tooth to age it, too, so I'll find out in, like, May or June uh, how old it was, but it was probably, like, a four-and-a-half-year-old deer. Wow. I think that it's so cool that the general stores do that. Like, everybody checks it in, and then, like, I know yours, because obviously I follow you and stuff on social media, but, like, that general store will literally take and 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 uh, do, like, rankings of different pound deers and stuff that get brought into that general store. Yeah, so I was in the deer pool there, and uh, I was leading it for a while, and then come to find out, the store owner's cousin had shot a 148, or not 148, 184-pound four-pointer, apparently, opening weekend, and decided to not enter it in the pool until the last day, and I was like, that's kind of shady. So I I took one on the chin, and, you know, I lost, but either way, I'm, I'm stoked about the deer. What did your deer weigh out at? He was 181. Uh, clean dressed. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. You could feel his spine, so he was he was pretty well running out of fat. That's nuts. So, and that's one other thing that a lot of people don't know neither is that some of the northern, I guess, north of Massachusetts, everybody goes by weight. Mm-hmm. Everything is weight. Like Maine is weight, dressed weight, weight. Even in Massachusetts, people shoot two hundred pounders. Um, uh, my buddy Matt sent me a picture of a buck. This guy, what was the name? I think they call him like Big Buck Jim or something like that. Shot this deer tracking in Massachusetts. And he sent me a picture of it. And I was like, oh, it looks like a really nice deer. And then Matt sent me a picture of it at the meat cutter's place of him holding a rack. And it's like 174 inches. And it's just massive. 
And they didn't even weigh it. No. They guessed that it was about 175 pounds. Wow, that's nuts. I haven't weighed a deer in years. No. We, we used to weigh them all the time. Yeah. So I'm pretty good at eyeing them up because I've seen enough on the scale, but I, I haven't weighed, weighed a deer in years. No. But I, st- I get a lot of people ask. Yeah, what did it put, weigh? Put it on Facebook. What did it weigh? I don't. Like, uh-huh. like he said, uh, 165-ish, Yeah, give or take, five but pounds. But like on the pools and much. stuff, they, they weigh them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But in the pools and stuff, it all goes by weight. Right. You put them on the kill poles yeah. in town, and that's that's, that's what it is. It's, it's yeah. all all it cares about. What's uh What's an so, ideal uh, snow depth? Like I imagine you don't want too deep. Eight inches is probably a lot. No. Like that's pretty much the max of you, what you want for like a good day. Um, ideally, you want four or five inches of good quiet snow, so that if you step on something, it kind of muffles the sound. You can kind of see detail in the track. And you don't want like the loud squeaky snow that crunches when you step on it. Right. Um, you kind of want something in between like that and like fluffy powder. Gotcha. Hmm. So I got a, I have a, a question for you. Chev's got this theory because a lot of the big trackers, like the well-known trackers, um, Joe and um, Hal, Hal Blood, and all those guys, they're they're taller guys. They're <laughs> lankier. They have long legs. And yeah, and Chev has a theory Steve that, does too. that it has something yeah has something to do with that's why they're such good trackers like I don't know if they can traverse but like you look like an average sized dude like us so what's your thought on we're that? average sized dudes well I mean like we're not tall oh, and lanky right. we're we're just you know we're <laughs> do you have longer legs than your torso because every tracker I know has longer legs than their torso and they move fast I don't know I've never really you know looked too much but um there's a, a family on YouTube the Mountain Deer Taxidermy uh one of the guys casey elmer is probably like five two five three and he's like he's a fantastic tracker he's shot some really big deer they all have really if if you're interested in tracking check them out right so my other thought is as long as the snow's not too deep you know like say you get like three four inches of fresh powder i bet you a midget would be really good at tracking (laughs) because they're so low to the snow they can really read that track really well What's your, more or less what's, your, like what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh man, um, you know they have an easier time getting through the blowdowns. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, like they they blood track with with dosh hounds exactly. and stuff like, like that. <laughs> that. Not what I expected for a tracking dog, like a, like a dosh hound or a wiener dog and all this other stuff. And you're like, why do they track with one of them things? Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> The only problem with the midget, though, is like if you get over six inches of snow, they're absolutely <laughs> done. It's over their knees. <laughs> over oh, their knees. We apologize to any little people out there listening. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, this is why we're called the Outdoor Drive. Yeah. Golly. Well, good thing that you're not a midget and you don't track, so that's good. I don't know, but I'll, I'll be uh, honest with you. It takes more than that to offend me. I'm well, I wasn't trying to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know you love we love you love them um no but i love it man like i'm so intrigued by tracking and we just don't get snow in season like we used to but i i, I think that i'm gonna make it a point to go north try to travel at least one weekend or something late season just try I, it I just even with the it. muzzle loader, i'd like to try it and like get in the berkshires or something or you know wherever right adirondacks or even go up to vermont and do some because it, 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 i'm intrigued by it and it it's so close to us to be honest i mean it's it's within arm's reach 
I mean, to get to something. If you guys apply for like a doe tag and, uh, for muzzleloader season, it'd actually be a really good opportunity because then, you know, you can just get on a deer track and go on that and learn that way. But what if there's um, a, what if there's a sure buck at the other end of it? Then you shoot that too as long as – because you have, a, you have a buck tag. Oh, you, you automatically get a buck tag and then you could get a doe yeah, tag Yeah, you got to apply for a doe tag. I got you. I got you. Cause like I mean like I track here I mean I've shot deer tracking but like you end up yeah. off property pretty quick or what the deer end up off property pretty quick so you're not gonna be able to keep moving but some of them big ones and one of the things when we were talking to Joe this past weekend at the show he was saying like one of the good things I mean, I might get killed for this but uh, over the Adirondacks over like Maine is Maine there's a grid system in the North Woods where a lot of these guys yep. track so you can get cut off. On somebody else could come down that road and catch that track. You could be on that track for six hours, and somebody else comes down on that track, a couple roads up, picks it up on the next picks road it up crossing. on the, yeah, and then and then beats you to the that deer or, or you know what I'm saying. There's so much more opportunity for someone to kind of cut you off. Where some of the other places, I don't know how it is in Maine, but like New York, it's all big woods. Once you get in there, dude, it's pretty hard for you to well, get cut off. I sat in on his yeah. um, his um, seminar on Sunday afternoon. And he said there's, the woods are so big up there. The reason why he has no problem doing the seminar and telling everybody about how he does it is because he has no doubt that nobody's gonna, he's not going to run into anybody from a seminar out there. Really? He's like, not a chance. Like, you're not going to get my way. Is that how it does for you too, Brad, in Vermont? Yeah, I mean, 90% of people won't go more than like a half a mile from the road. Um, they're afraid to get lost. Uh, the piece of woods I shot my deer in is probably like four miles wide and like ten miles long. Uh, wow. It's a it's a peak with a long ridge system, mm-hmm. and on either end, like one end's got a dirt road, the other end's got like a, a paved road. Um, but it's pretty well known for having like big deer on that ridge. Like I know some other locals who shot really nice deer up there. And nobody cares about somebody else knowing about this spot. Not that I know of. I mean, if you if you really get into the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, like there's pieces of woods where you can go for 20 miles, and you're lucky if you cut a road. Wow. Could you I, imagine? No. I have one another question. You mentioned earlier about yep. um, you wish your brother was on the track with you. Um, most of the time when you hear people talk about tracking deer, it's a, it's a solo thing. Have you tracked yep. with two people before, and is that like a common thing, or how, is, is it practical to put two guys on a track? It's actually, if you're good at it, it works really well. Um, I know of a lot of people who have done it. I haven't had the chance to do it successfully yet. I'm actually going, I'm taking my brother to a tracking seminar, I think next weekend or the weekend after. Um, he wants to start learning. Um, so the, the thing with that is you got a person in the front who's watching the track, mm-hmm. looking where the track's going. And you got a guy behind them who's, you know, eyes up the whole time right. scanning the woods. Because, like, there's... There's key things like if if you see a deer feeding a lot and he's heading uphill and you know you got some maybe some thick pines or something off to your right, there's a solid chance that he went up and J hooked back into those pines and he's bedded up there. The guy who's got your back should be watching up there and watching those sides and looking for that deer before he sees you. Right. Very similar to how we bl- blood trail sometimes with two guys. One guy's yep. looking only looking for blood and one guy's looking ahead for the deer. And. Exactly. And a lot of things that I've learned was that from talking to other guys that are trackers is that a lot of times them bucks will come back on that track. 
So like you have like mm. a signal system in the snow where you write like okay stop or stay here and then you'll sit and then 15 minutes later that buck's gonna come up that track and the guy, the back guy normally sh- shoots that buck because he's coming back up his yeah, track. So especially if you come across a spot where that deer has crossed its own track and he's done loops there. Like if you if you go through an area and like he comes across his own day old track, so. A buck will generally know his own scent. So, like, if he comes across a track, he might stop, sniff it real quick, and he'll keep going. If it's a different deer and it's the rut, he's going to follow that track for a little bit. So, you kind of know, or you don't necessarily know, you have a pretty good idea that he might loop back around on that track and come back through if it was his own. So, you can you could probably post up a guy, like, 30, 40 yards away, and they could get a chance at that deer. Mm, that's wild. That's crazy. Well, I'm I'm glad you shot your big buck on a track. That's kind of cool. That was a great. I mean, I remember the video. Don't it, you have it up on YouTube too? Don't you? Yeah, it's got like twenty one thousand views. Jeez, Louise, huh? That's cool. You, you didn't film the whole thing. You just filmed the recovery, right? I filmed the recovery. Um, but for Christmas, my wife, she's like, I know you want to film your hunts more. She's like, you can go buy a new GoPro if you want. Oh, that's cool. I remember seeing so, that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you'll be able to do a little bit more tracking videos and it's stuff. It's really like the that. only way to film a tracking is with a GoPro, really. On the shoulder, right? Yeah. That's how they normally do it. Uh, Jeff Doyle does it over the shoulder. I got the head mount just because I like the idea of having it looking where I am. Right. Um, But Jeff, Jeff's got some great videos, too. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to learn, you know, Jeff Doyle, um, Mountain Deer Taxidermy, Staggercast is a good podcast to listen to. They talk about tracking a lot. Mm-hmm. S-T-A-G-R instead of the full word. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff out there to learn if people want to. You just got to look for it. Nothing better than that. Well, Bradman, we appreciate you joining us here on the tailgate and uh, telling your story. It was awesome. Congratulations on such a great buck. And uh, we really look forward to uh, – to watching watching some of your YouTube videos down the line. Trev, how about you come up and make one with me? I will. We're, 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 we'll get that going. I think, yeah, what about Steve? You're invited too. <laughs> all right, all right. Look at the oh, what did I no do midgets, though. No midgets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm, I might take you up on that, man, because I really want to experience this for sure. Yeah, man. That's what I use my personal days at work for. Is tracking. When it, we just wait for yeah, a good when snow. Good snow. It's like it's a sick day. It's a sick day for tracking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's well, sick day. That, that 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 is one thing to take into consideration. Where like around here, we take our vacation based on like, right. I mean, you can go by calendar days for the most part, and then you just hope you catch a good cold front or something like that for for a high quality day. But you pretty much it doesn't matter what day of the month it is. You want a day where you know you're going to get fresh powder. Yeah, fresh snow, and if you have a good strong wind, like that's that's ideal, right? Um, I mean, to put it into perspective, when when me and my wife got married, we had a fall wedding, and I told her we're not getting married during hunting season, so we got married uh, September 29th because bow season started October first. Perfect. Wow, that's the way to do it. Nothing better than that. Well, Brad, appreciate you jumping on, buddy. Hopefully, we got some more uh, Tales from the Tailgates coming our way from you, man, and shooting a couple of nice bucks this coming up season, and we can do this again. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, as always. And for everyone else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.